1: Going to talk about goaltending today. Goaltending that made all the difference in the world, and goaltending that wouldn't have made a difference regardless. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. Flames 4, Penguins 0 last night at PPG Paints Arena. And that wasn't super reflective of the game's flow. It was very reflective of Jacob Markstrom's performance in the Calgary net. He was just superb. And if I hadn't witnessed that same thing with my own eyes three years ago out in Vancouver, I wouldn't have believed it. But he did that to the Penguins out there, stopping 46 shots in a victory for the Canucks at vividly recall going into the visitors' locker room after that game and Sidney Crosby and Phil Kessel uh, sitting next to each other, both of them just kind of shaking their heads like, what was that? Crosby telling me that he's long felt that Markstrom was one of the more underappreciated players at his position in the NHL. And, man, he's a big dude on top of everything else and when he's moving smoothly side to side the way he was last night it's 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 game over you don't have an option to beat a guy that big unless you're doing all kinds of redirects rebounds and or you've got some world class snipers on your side and the penguins do they're just not playing right now none of them almost none of them Certainly not enough to get a puck past this guy when he's going like this. Markstrom was outstanding. He was the factor in this game, considering the Penguins put 45 pucks on him. And really, other than a flat first few minutes, never let up. Never let up. I was in a weird kind of way, impressed with what they did. I asked Jake Gensel about it after the game.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's what you got to do. I mean, most goaltenders are... Um, you just try and get those rebounds and extra chances. I think that's when you score um, a lot of goals. So um, I think maybe we got to get some more traffic in in front of the net there, and I think that'll create some rebounds, and um, maybe we'll get lucky from uh, a tip or a rebound there. But I think for us, it's just... Um, we just got to make sure we're taking the goals. I go away.
1: That's what you got to do. You can't get discouraged because Andre Vasilevsky's seven feet tall, and Markstrom comes along and he's eight feet tall, and they're both crazy athletic, and they take up so much of that six by four that it it can discourage you. It can beat you up a little bit, and you just have to keep cranking. And the Penguins did that. Didn't matter didn't matter. When you have a guy that's on like that, it doesn't matter. So please take what I'm about to say in exactly that context. What Casey DeSmith did didn't matter either. But it sure would be nice if he'd come around to being the competent backup that the Penguins fairly expect him to be. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They in turn need your help. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how one dollar from you is all it takes to provide five full meals for those in need. Again, it's Pittsburgh food Bank. Dot Spell out the Pittsburgh, by the way, when you do that. DeSmith didn't lose the game. The game wasn't lost so much as it was won anyway by Markstrom. But DeSmith didn't really get much done either. I thought he had two strong periods At times, he was really, really good. The only goal he gave up through the two periods was a Johnny Goodrow laser to the top shelf. And Johnny Hockey had been a little bit due. He hadn't had any goals for the Flames to that point. Made a perfect shot. Great. Wonderful. But again, two really good periods. Third period comes along, and he gives up three goals, including an early one that just kind of deflated the whole place. He's given up four or more goals in six of his last nine games going back to last season. And both of the games he started so far this season. Nine goals in two starts. And that, by the way, is as many goals as Tristan Jari's given up through five starts for some perspective. 878 save percentage. That ain't it. I've had doubts about De Smith for a long time so this isn't something that I'm saying based on one night in which he could have been spectacular for two and a half hours and it wouldn't have made a difference. This is a more of a, a, a broader stance. he did have one exceptionally solid run last season. But otherwise, we just haven't seen legit NHL-caliber goaltending from him on a consistent basis. And I almost feel like it's unfair to assign that to him when he operates at what's now a distinct disadvantage in this league because he doesn't have the size He's not the stature, never mind Vasilevsky and Markstrom. I'm just talking about the run-of-the-mill NHL goaltender. He's smaller than that. And as a result, am going to give you an example from this game last night. He has to work that much harder, and he has to take risks that others don't. Remember Blake Coleman's goal, the one right off the faceoff where Sam Lafferty got cleaned up and they just blasted one from center point right through DeSmith? What actually happened there? Well, the Flames smartly had somebody right off the draw go to the net and set a screen. And DeSmith has to move. He has to physically move to try to see the shot. And when he goes to move, he moves himself away from where the shot ended up going. If you're Markstrom, you're not even budging. You're yawning, actually. Because you can see either over or around everybody just by glancing. You stand still. You hold your ground and the puck just ricochets off you. Kind of like that save that Markstrom ended up making on Jason Zucker late in the third period, assuming you made it through this whole game and watched all of it, where Zucker just comes flying right down the slot takes a really high-percentage quality shot. It looks like it's heading top-shelf. Markstrom doesn't move. It hits his left arm and goes over into the corner, and you could tell Markstrom had never had any idea that this shot was coming. Didn't matter. Big dude. Never had to move. DeSmith does. He's not going to grow. Newsflash. He is exactly what he is, so he has to be superb when it comes to his angles his reflexes, his positioning, his reads of the shots, his vision. That's the part about him that always kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah, he does have those spells, but he has to be at that super hyper atmospheric level in order to just do things that other guys can do simply by existing. For what it's worth, Mike Sullivan Sullivan has been kind of unusual in his answers about DeSmith all through training camp and the preseason, and now with the overtime loss in Sunrise in this game, where he, he, he has a real easy out to defend DeSmith and never quite takes it. This was... His response, when asked about Desmith's performance last night,
0: I thought he made some saves. He, he made some high quality saves in the first couple of periods that, uh, you know, that kept us in in the game, um, at least within striking distance. Um, you know, I thought our team as a whole, the, the we opened the game up a little bit in the third. I thought we were pressing, and uh, and and you know, give Calgary credit, they defended hard and 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 they made us pay. So. I said to the guys after the game, I just thought we don't have to open the game up. We still have a lot of time left. If we, you know, we're in a two-goal hockey game. If we score the next goal, <clears throat> we're in striking distance. We're right there. And for me, that's one of the lessons I think we can take out of this one is just making sure that, that we stick to the game plan and we just stay the course and, and not try to open it up and not try to press. we got to play the right way, but we can't, you know, we, we can't, Turn into a high-risk hockey team, and I thought we did that a little bit too early in the third period, and and that puts our goaltender in a tough spot. So it's hard to assess the third the third period, but uh, I thought he made some saves in the first two.
1: Not exactly ringing. You know what I mean? What's this mean? Well, right now, nothing. You're not going to see any kind of change at the goaltending positions, and when I say positions. That was plural on purpose. You have a starter and you have a backup. The backup is its own position. But you do have in Wilkes-Barre right now a young goaltender in Philip Lindbergh who won an NCAA championship with UMass, who showed well in camp, who showed well in preseason, and who threw three starts for Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Has a 1.32 goals against average and a 9.52 save percentage. Now, again, this is his first three professional starts. I'm not jumping ahead of myself here. They're going to want to see this play out on all levels. But it's not as if DeSmith should be locked in as some sort of, he's absolutely got to be backup goaltender in Pittsburgh. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you always on this program by FuboTV. The monthly cost of cable is over $200. FuboTV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, FuboTV is offering our listeners of Daily Shot of Penguins a 7-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just visit FuboTV.com slash our J1Q today sets the all-time J1Q record for shortest ever J1Q. It comes from Chris Adams, and it's one word, fate? Yeah, that's that's kind of what this is, Chris. Um, this is fate catching up with the Penguins. You can't reasonably go on in perpetuity missing Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jeff Carter, Brian Rust, and on the back end, Chris Letang, and say to yourself, you know what, we got this. (laughs) You just can't do it. That's why, and I started saying this a lot while covering the team on the opening Florida trip, you needed to get as many of these points as possible. To my eyes, what the Penguins have done through this month has been a godsend. They could not afford to fall too far behind in a division that's going to be as crazily competitive as the Metro is going to be, especially with the Hurricanes basically coming back into the division, if you'll recall the way things were split up last year in the Manufactured East. The Hurricanes come in and, I mean, they're not handed a playoff spot, but they're good enough that you know that one of the four is going to them. And they weren't even around in this division last year. So you've got three spots, basically. You've got three spots. And there's going to be a lot of competition for those three. And if you get behind by 8, 10, 12 points... While you're waiting on your star players to come back. That's a real problem. That's a problem that's not going to go away. And it's going to take you four or five months to erase it. So now on top of Sid and Gino being out. There's all the COVID issues. The protocol. And so forth. And you're missing even more guys. The positive is that Crosby very much looks like in his practice sessions, a guy who's about to come back. I'm at the point where I'll be surprised if he isn't back tomorrow night against the Devils. Sullivan said in close to certain terms that Carter will be back at practice today. So you're getting a couple back. Rust has been practicing, working out with Malkin. He's... Gonna be back whenever it's you know uh, a green light situation for him with a concussion. I don't know that they've announced it as a concussion. I don't know how much more obvious it can be that it's a concussion. And then from there, you got to get Letang back from COVID, and you've got to have Malkin get all the way back in recovering from his knee surgery. But at least you get a couple of them back. At least you don't have the situation where you've got no centers. You know? Like, no centers. I mean, God bless Evan Rodriguez for what he's brought, but, you know? At some point or other, that was going to catch up to them. And it was a point, in fairness, it came against the two-time defending champs. The Lightning coming in with that monster goaltender. And the Flames being the hottest team in the NHL, well, other than Florida. And the Flames come in with their monster goaltender. So if you look at all three of the Penguins' losses this season, they were to the two-time champs to the hottest team currently going that isn't the Panthers. Oh, and also the Panthers. So they've held up pretty well. They have. But it sure would be nice if they didn't have to keep doing that forever. Let's see if that changes in the next 24 to 36 hours. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these on Monday. I'm heading to Cleveland to do some football over the weekend.